So welcome to another episode of Beyond Four Walls. As usual, I am uh, co-hosted with Anthony. Anthony, how are you doing? Good. How are you, brother? Doing great. Doing great. And I am. We're joined today with Irvin. Irvin, um, I'm gonna kind of let you introduce yourself and kind of tell uh, the community what what you do. Yeah. So a thirty thousand foot overview. Uh, name is Irvin. I also go by Irv. Uh, run a company right now where we help clients get access to business credit by helping them build out their uh, infrastructure inside of their business through their LLCs, uh, their lines of credits, the organization, and we pretty much help them scale through funding. Awesome. Awesome. And then uh, how long have you been doing this? So we are going on two years coming up in January. So we started, we launched January of 2022. And what uh, just to kind of get like, again, 30,000 30, feet up there, mm -hmm. what made you kind of want to pivot to this um, and kind of really start doing this uh, like consulting service? Yeah, good question. So I originally started, so we started creating content back around 2019. Uh, 2020 okay. really started hitting, hitting it off. So I was working at a, a tax firm with my brother. It was his office and I was helping him out. I was still selling real estate at the time. And it was right around the time where... Uh, you know, the pandemic started happening. So I don't know if I could say that word if you guys got to bleep it out. But uh, <laughs> right around when that started happening, right? And um, I remember creating videos around stimulus because a lot of clients kept asking me about their refunds, stimulus checks, yeah. tax credits. Like it was a wild, wild west. And so I got tired of clients asking me, hey, for like the 50th time, can you tell us a little bit more about this? So I'd say, you know what? I'm already creating content. So let me just create one video and just send it to them. Right. I didn't even unlist it. I just put it out. And so I gave like 20 clients that link. I wake up the next day to like 5000 views. And I said, OK, wow. either something happened where the video got shared or there's like a glitch. I don't know. But you know what? Let's try that again. So we ended up doing another video around tax topics and that were hot at the time. And it ended up taking off. And so the transition ended up happening where people started again in 2020. And you guys know this. A lot of businesses started just booming from homes yeah and so mm -hmm. clients the next natural natural question was okay well i'm working from home now i opened up this thing called an llc but i'm using my personal credit cards because i was already kind of dabbling with, with personal credit um how can i actually fund my business without actually having to look at my personal credit or without having to use my personal credit cards and so yeah. naturally you know helping clients out in that venture we say you know what i think that there's a wide open market for this and so we've been hitting it off since. And I mean, we've, we've been growing since, which has been awesome. Yeah. It's interesting um, to see that journey of how long, you know, that build that you've had. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's really awesome to see that, um, especially uh, being part of the body of Christ as that's much needed. Um, yeah. And kind of transitioning to that point of, uh, you know, entrepreneurship is like a hot word. Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Everyone wants to know, you know, own their own business and be their own boss. <laughs> um but when it comes specifically that word being used in the Christian world, mm -hmm. how do you see that? Like, I mean, it's not, you know, there's a lot of topics not top, talked about in, in the body of Christ. And one of those is owning a business and how to manage that business. Um, mm -hmm. How do you see that world of being a Christian entrepreneur? I love it. Uh, one of the reasons I love it is, and I, and I probably have a strong take on this, is, is I view business as war. And so I view everyone's business as, as a weapon, right? And so if we're looking at it from like a weapon perspective, and if we're looking at it from a wealth creation perspective, which ultimately that, that's what, at least the way that I view it, right? 
Um, I think that you learn far more about yourself and some of the attributes that God's placed in you when you decide to open a business, when you decide to hire people, because it naturally puts you into leadership, both on the front of your clients and also with your team. And so now you're not, so now you're displaying just from a natural context, the gifts that God's put in you, some of the character, some of the characteristics that, that he's, you know, given you. And then the other side of it is when I refer to it as a weapon, I think that one of the biggest weapons that the enemy uses is poverty. Mm. You know, and wow. so one of the ways, one of the ways to combat that is by creating a powerful business. Because I have a saying where I didn't want God to make me rich. I wanted God to help me be generous. And I think mm. that that's a big difference in being that's generous good. and being rich. Because you see, you know, a lot of stingy people with their money. But being generous is mm. I want to be generous with my time. I want to be generous with my resources. I want to be generous with my finances. I want to be generous with the skills that I've learned that I can pour into other people and part yeah. into them. I want to be generous with my patience. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big believer in if someone's been called, which I think anyone anyone can do business, but people choose not to, 100% take that route. Yeah. And to dive in deeper into that, um, what is your – entrepreneurship, you know, is mm-hmm. not – pushed upon onto the body of christ um and it's it's less and less being pushed on the idea of owning your own business why do you think that is i think that and again these are these are just my beliefs around yeah. the way yeah. the way that i view the world and just even context scripture i, I think that and, and it depends how you grew up but i think that we were so condemned growing up looking at rich people and saying, well, they must have gotten there by doing something illegal. Or they must have gotten there by, you know, worshiping the enemy. Cheating people, yeah. Cheating people, worshiping the devil, like these things, right? They have to be the Illuminati. But we didn't see, mm-hmm. we didn't, but we, you know, we, we didn't get to ask the other question. And the, other, and the other question was, but wait a minute. Any time that we saw, at least in first principles in the Bible, in Genesis, wealth and gold was referred to as good from God. And so somewhere along the lines that was perverted, and I think that I was perverted where people maybe tried to stride into building a business and failed or saw maybe someone did something illegally or, or, or unethically because believe me, it's out there. And then they just packaged everything up and I said, no, that, that's of the enemy. Mm. And, I just, and I just decided not to believe that because I used to believe that for years. And I just said, yeah. you know what? No, because if that were the case, Solomon wouldn't be such an impact as he was in the Bible. And if yeah. that were the case, then, and even some, sometimes when you, when you tend to ask yourself on certain scriptures, you'll see that it says, you know, Jesus would go out and they would create miracles. But then you ask yourself, okay, where, the, where, did, the, where did these resources come from so that they can mm-hmm. go from town to town? Because it yeah. also says that they had yeah. someone who managed their money. I believe it was Matthew, if I'm not mistaken, tax collector, right? Yeah. So somebody was managing the resources. And so I think the other side of it is resourcefulness as well. Yeah. Um, Anthony, what do you what do you think about that idea of like Christian entrepreneurship and the lack of Christians going into that field? Well, the, the issue is that just like secular world, we're taught, we're, you know, we're, we're just taught, go to university, get a degree, mm-hmm. get a job. That's ha- that has infiltrated into the church where we just go along with the same thing. Yeah. University is good. Get your knowledge mm-hmm. and then get a job mm-hmm. versus like Irv says, you know, 
anybody anybody can open a business if you have if you're using the gift that God gave you to to produce something and that's that that's my take on it is we've just relied on what the world says and we just align with that because that's the easy route yeah. instead of teaching and and focusing and pushing the believers and the members of the church to to be entrepreneurs to create their own thing and and what what better way not only to to create resources for the individual but also by default is going to increase the the resources of the church because obviously as a christian you tithe you give offerings stuff like that. so so back yeah by proxy is gonna it's gonna help the church as well so it's like now um Irvin, uh did you have or do you have gotten any pushback saying you know business is not even a christian thing that that's a secular thing have you gotten that pushback of like you know pastors a, a christian uh a, a job you know all these things are, being mm-hmm. a business owner is not part of like being a christian that's a secular position have you gotten pushback on that uh i, I used to get pushback on myself on that where i thought that the only place that you could be a, a powerful speaker or the only place that you could lead people was from a pulpit and i would bat and i would and i would battle with that right like why am i in the marketplace i should be in the pulpit i should have my bible open because i used to be so a little context I used to be um, a youth leader, um, you know, okay. within within okay. the context, like a youth pastor um, back at my old church. And so at the time, again, when I was selling real estate, I always felt like a little guilty at times where I would just think to myself, you know, I should be, I should God, be at yeah. church. I'm taking away from God. And I and then I started thinking, no, you know, because we are going to ultimately end up building the church, you know, not just financially, but also just with the resources. And again, the skill sets that we end up gathering, just being out in the marketplace mm-hmm. again. It's going to teach you more about yourself than just about anything else. And so um, the pushback really came more for myself, I, I, at least for the time being. I haven't really come across anyone that's really challenged me on it. I'm sure they're out there. I, I mean, I'm, you know, I scroll through Twitter every now and again, YouTube, and I see yeah. it where, you know, they, they condemn people who make a lot of money. But, I mean, I personally, outside of myself, I haven't really gotten any, any pushback. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like you guys mentioned, it's, we've put ourselves in a box are even out of our own doing and uh, out of outside pressure. But I think it's one of those things where it's important to have these voices be, be upfront when it talks Mm -hmm. about entrepreneurship, you know, it's important to know that, uh, that it's a Christian thing to be involved in these things. And like you said, there's so many examples of the Bible when the disciple, I mean, when the workers that built the tabernacle, they were talked about, they were filled in the spirit, the blacksmiths, all these people that are building Mm -hmm. the tabernacle. So the idea of outside work being a bless, uh, being blessed by the Lord or being even ordained by the Lord, I think is really important because, like you said, many Christians not only believe that business ownership or success is a sign of like, oh, you're steering away or you're doing all these other things, but uh, but also I think it's one of those it's one of those things where like people people. Li- People think Christianity, you have to be like poor. Like that, that's like you're being humble by being poor. Like if you're striving for riches, you're not going, you're not mm-hmm. going the route of Christianity. That And pro, that, that that poverty gospel is a reality where people are like, oh, you need to give everything. You can't keep anything. Your family can't be successful because it's too scary. Like, you know, they always mention the rich man where it talks about where Jesus says it's it's hard to, to go in heaven if you're rich. And they use mm-hmm. that to to discourage the even the idea of like success in, in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those things where, true, there's a negative in both sides. If you if you you could easily become money hungry, and you could easily become success hungry and status hungry, and that that is a reality. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, you could go the opposite way, where people 
only see Christ and Jesus as a spiritual savior, but not as a, a redeemer in our full lives. Exactly. Like you said, getting more success not only gives you monetary wealth, but it gives you the opportunity to really sow into your family, sow into your kids, yeah. sow into the community. And, and I think if we view it that way, and if it's an opportunity to open more doors, not closed doors, I think it, it, it draws more success. Anthony, you want to say something? Yeah, and like there's a reason why the Bible says it doesn't say money is the root of all the evil. It says the love of money. Mm -hmm. So it, it speaks about the intention. If, you're, mm -hmm. if your intention is just, I want to start this business, I want to do this because I want to stack my money, build my wealth, and just sit back, then that's, you know, then obviously God's not going to condone that. But when you're doing it because you want to bless others, you want to be a blessing, you want to be generous, like Irv says, it's like that's a completely different mindset and take on on building a business and building wealth. Yeah, and Irvin, one of the things mm -hmm. I do find interesting, though, is, you know, we obviously live in a capitalistic uh, economy. And mm -hmm. one of the things that dr drives businesses is for profit. Like, you're, you're going into business to make money. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those fine lines of are we, how do we be balance being Christian and, you know, being fair to others? At the same time, having a business that strives to make, you know, make money, strives to do other things to improve the business. How do you have that balance of how do I charge? How do I create, create my margins to stay healthy? How do you balance that, you know, with the faith? I, I call it the, uh, the, the Chick-fil-A model. So it's, you know, if, if, if Chick-fil-A is running a for-profit company, I'm, I'm going to be running a for-profit business. Yeah. I think that what ends up happening is, and you know, if I can maybe kind of like run that tandem with just a scripture, um, where they ask Jesus, right? Who should be taxed? Should we pay these taxes? And Jesus says, you know, give to give to Rome what's to Rome, give to God what's to God, right? And so it's the same exactly. thing here. I, the way the way that I view it is, you're bringing core values, and this is something that I've also tried to instill even in the business that that I'm currently building right now, is where I kind of push the envelope is, yes, I'm a Christian inside of the business world, but I'm not going to hide my core values and I'm not going to hide my beliefs. I'm going to just have that interwoven inside of my business. And if someone wants to work at, again, our organization, that's cool. If not, that's fine as well. And I've also made a stamp on that, putting it out publicly on social media because one of the biggest nets that we have in a marketplace is our brands. And so I see a lot of entrepreneurs that are Christian and they kind of hide away from that. I've learned to lean into it, especially over the last couple of months. One of the reasons I've been, again, diligent about it, because I want to repel, as bad as that sounds, I want to repel anyone that is possibly going to not just do business with me, but more importantly, actually join the team. I want to mm -hmm. repel that. And I want them to say just naturally, no, you know what, as cool as this guy is, as much as I love his content, as much as I love his line of work, I just can't rock with that. Because I know for every 10 that are going to leave, we're going to get three or four superstars that are going to want to join us in the vision. And so I think yeah. that you just have to step into it. Um, and I think that a lot of people, they, they try to kind of tiptoe around it. And it's just, come on, dude. Well, you know, why are we tip, you know, tiptoeing around yeah. it? But yet we want God's hand blessing our business. But yet we're tiptoeing about putting him out there saying, God's blessed my business. These are the lessons that I've learned. And these are my core values based off of biblical principle. Right. So we just want the, we just want the result. 
That's, that's really what it boils down to. But we don't actually want to give him the credit for it. And I think uh, one of the key things you, uh, you, you said there, talking about like repelling, one of the biggest cons of, I would say, the body of Christ is that we don't support one each other. Like we don't, mm-hmm. we know we have the, we have, you know, Amex has the week of small business week where we all shop small mm-hmm. business as Christians. Many times we're like, there's a Christian company and then there's a non-Christian company and either by pricing or because of status or whatever it may be, we might not buy their clothes. We might not buy, uh, use their services. And I think many times we talk about, you know, helping your brother out in the body of Christ as getting mm-hmm. a good deal. Like, Oh, you know, we're both Christians. Can you give me the discount? Instead yeah. of that, we should be investing and sewing in each other and i think when we do that it allows us to be able to sustain other businesses that might not be able to sustain because they're having their faith up front but as if all the christians strive into building a network of successful entrepreneurs i think that would that would change things um anthony uh what do you where do you, where do you see that i kind of like striving for for profit at the same time treating people quote unquote fair and like like you were saying, it's just like some people would be like, oh, I can get a $5 cheaper at, not to name any store, but at this store, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but the point is not saving five bucks. It's mm-hmm. this is a Christian business. This is my brother in Christ. Why wouldn't I support their cause and 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 lift up a, a Christian business then? then continue to feed into this billion dollar machine that's just secular and it's for the world and god knows what evils they do behind closed doors and stuff like that but yeah i mean the best example is jesus right the man the man it's it's not specifically stated but because joseph was a carpenter we could assume that you know he was a carpenter and he helped his dad and he so there there's a a perfect example of, of a small business there were carpenters. They were build themselves. Mm-hmm. They weren't working for for the Roman government. The the, the disciples, mm-hmm. half of them were fishermen. They weren't working for the Roman. They would mm-hmm. go fish, take it to the market, make some money, and so they were all had their small. The only one that wasn't that worked for the was Matthew, the tax collector. But other than that, they were all. If we really look at it, they were small business owners. Some were fishermen, yeah. some uh, carpenter, etc. So mm-hmm. it's in the Bible. It's, there's no. There's no way to say that, you know, it's not of God because it's all throughout the Bible. And like Irv says, there was a reason why there was a treasure within the disciples who was in charge of the money and, and collecting it and distributing it out. If, if we think about it, ministry, no matter how hard it is for people to understand and to accept it, ministry is a business. It's not a it's not a it's not a commercial business where you're selling a product and trying to make profit. It's more or less a nonprofit, right? You 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 give a service, whether it's pastoring a flock or going around a country and and yeah. proclaiming the the word of God. But Paul says, if if you have reaped the spiritual things that I've given unto you, it's only right that I reap the the carnal or the or the yeah. monetary stuff. So mm-hmm. it's part. And I, I don't remember the per- mm-hmm. yeah I don't remember the percentage exactly, but it's I believe it's higher than seventy percent. If we if we actually read the Bible, the majority of of the topics of conversation is around money. Yeah, yeah. wow. If we really look at it, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, to can kind of press on that, um, Irv. Um, obviously, 
there's margins and what i mean by margins for people i don't know is you know basically to sum it up to make it the easiest way it's basically how much you spend to get the product or sell the product to the customer yeah. gain the customer blah 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 basically from pricing how much is taken away and how much you keep home mm -hmm. obviously there's some high margin products at at what point are and this is go to like treating the person correctly at what mm -hmm. even though it's a standard for example let's say selling bananas it's a standard to have mm -hmm. a 95 percent margin true yeah that's a standard but at what point are we not treating people fairly is is do you see there even though like yes we're for profit like chick-fil-a is for profit yeah. but at one point let's say chick-fil-a doubles their prices and at that point they probably not you would say they're not treating their customers fairly so is there do you say like not in a number sense but do you do you believe like there should be a certain point where like yeah you're reaping from these people not but you're actually hurting and treating them unfairly do, do you see that or that's such a good question um i think that the moment people start associating that they're being overcharged for something or that they're being scammed or that something is overpriced is the moment that they stop receiving value like mm -hmm. point blank and one of the fastest ways to prove that is vehicles I think the average car right now is what, $42,000, $43,000, if that. But yeah. if you look at if you look at Ferrari, I think they're coming out with the SUV. That thing's on a wait list for the next two years. Yeah. And so anyone mm -hmm. in the street right now would say paying three, dollars $400,000, which is like a 10x markup from the original forty two k that we're at now, is, is, is crazy. But yet there's a, there's a market for it. And the reason is because they're still getting value from it. And so I think that mm. if someone is saying, oh, this product is overpriced or it's not worth that much, I think it all has to boil back down to where did we stop giving value? And and yeah. and like comma, the other side of that is, and is the problem that we're solving not worth what we're charging? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, it's, I, I would say it's a, it's a hard balance because there's certain things, I mean, like for example, food, where it's not about value, it's about price in reality. I mean, in certain, for example, but I think it's a it's a multi layered problem. The reason why you can't afford mm -hmm. food is probably because you bought the newest iPhone, and you should have never bought the newest iPhone. And you could afford the food, or it's a multi layered problem. But I think it's it's for example, like cars and things like that. You know, like you said, there is a, a baseline of how cheap you could go, but at the same time, there's I feel like in certain ways, like for one of the biggest things, especially living in Florida, rent is an example. Yeah, I I, I use that industry. Mm -hmm. people marked up their rent not because their mortgage went up or because the cost of 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 uh, it went up immensely some it was because other the rent went up they saw the, the market the market yeah. rent up so they're like i see this opportunity let me raise my rent because they have no choice they you know they're, they're, someone's gonna pay for it but is mm -hmm. is but you know some people are just put in the corner they have to rent because they they can't buy a house at that point so at that, in that example, there's certain industries where they just did it because they saw the opportunity. Is that really treating people fairly? Or is, is that abusing the limited resource that you have and you're in position of power to change that and they have no choice? Yeah, I mean, in, in business, that's always like the question, right? It's, it's, is it ethical and, and is it fair? And it's such a blurry line. I think it comes down to, again, the, the, morality, the morality of the business owner or in this case, yeah. the investor, right? Um, but then the, the other side of it is, and again, this is where things get blurry, is are they trying to play fair or are they trying to make a profit? 
And so at that point, it depends on what, what they want to do, right? Because it's the it's, intention. It, it's, yeah. it's the intentions. Yeah. And so it's subjective. So, I mean, going back to the banana example, for us, let's say three bananas is, let's say, two bucks here in the United States as an example. But then if you go yeah. to the Philippines, it's probably a couple of cents. And so they would probably think exactly. that, man, they're overpriced in the United States. And then if you go to maybe another third world country who's maybe a little bit poorer than the Philippines, they would say, man, they pay a lot of money for these bananas. when We got them all over, like around us in the jungle. Like it's yeah. free for us. And so again, not, you know, and not to get too like globalization or anything like that, but, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a, it is, it is murky water. And I think that that's why a lot of people end up just end up, end up on American greed, right. Where yeah. they just end up kind of playing a little bit too much to their hand of wanting to make a little bit too much money at the expense of maybe, uh, bending the risks of other people. Yeah. I think it's, it's like you said, it's a fine line because, if they don't keep their prices, long run, they're going to end mm-hmm. up not being successful and in the long run hurting yourself. And it's like a vicious cycle because now you have no way to buy your bananas because the store is closed. And then you're it's just a vicious cycle of, of that. So I think it is one of those things where it's hard to judge. And it's one of those things where you had to really lean in to the Lord and and kind of let him lead you in that side of things of understanding not only is it a business, but I'm actually there's a there's a human aspect to this, not only you as a business owner, but the people you're 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 encountering, either buying your services, buying your products. And I think it's it's one of those things we we can't always look at the bottom line as business owners. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so easy to lose sight of the human aspect of the business, like who we, we, we retreat. I work in the banking, <clears throat> in business banking in particular, and yes. And it's one of those things where many times the in it's real the bank just sometimes looks at people as numbers because mm-hmm. of the risk that they, they're yeah. taking on. And it's like the people that really need the money and you know like man, if they yeah. just get this, they would be so yeah. sad. I mean, obviously there's many layers yeah. to it and obviously that will play in part of they should have been responsible with their credit and all this other stuff. Yeah, but yeah. take that to the side, it's like you lose the humanity of it. And that's why many people and even uh, talk about going to credit unions and all this stuff because they bring the humanity mm-hmm. back to banking. So I think it's one it's a hard line to do because as you get bigger, the harder it is to keep the humanity into it. The smaller it is, yeah. the easier the easier it is because you're able to, you know, be more personable, but as you get bigger, the CEO doesn't know everybody in a 3,000, 5,000, 5,000 employee <laughs> company. So it, it becomes harder to keep that humanity and I think that's it's really important to do that. Um Switching gears, though, um, obviously entrepreneurship is, again, a hot topic. But even in church, outside of church, organizationally, not everyone could be a leader in a sense of position. Everyone could be an individual mm-hmm. leader. But in a sense of position, when it comes to taking this step to entrepreneurship, what is your view of, like, obviously now everyone wants to be their own boss, but not everyone can be mm-hmm. their own boss because then we have n- no employees. How do you view that balance of, like, okay, be honest. Be honest with yourself. You're not a. You're not a boss. You're not. A, mm-hmm. uh, you shouldn't be open a business, or you should open a business. How do you view that uh, kind of deciding point? Yeah, that's actually a really good question because I I've thought a lot about that. Um, so I have I have two thoughts. First one is kind of piggybacking off what you said, where maybe not everyone's going to be a leader on the forefront of their business, but individually. And so there's some times when we're having team meetings that I'll let some of the guys lead on just ideas bouncing some things off the room, right? Some ideas, maybe some different angles that we can take in marketing, what have you. And so at that point, you know, we're kind of passing the baton off so they can so they can have that leadership moment. Because I think that everyone has to exercise that at one point or, or another. 
regardless whether you're in business or if you're in a, in a corporate structure or if you're in church, right? Um, but the the other side of it is knowing knowing your stance. And what I mean by that is not everyone needs to be the number one guy or gal. So pick. Do you want to be, you know, the, the third person? Do you want to be number six coming off the bench, like the sixth man, like they say in NBA, right? Um, yeah. Do you want to be maybe the, 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 the key player who helps distribute, who, who's the connector? Sometimes that's not the leader, right? Sometimes the leader is the one that's casting the vision. And then you have the other person that's just the connector of, okay, the vision's been set. Let me go find the team players, kind of like putting an NBA team or, the glue, or, yeah. or, or an MLB yeah. team together. Exactly. And so a lot of people get stuck because they say, well, I want to make a lot of money. And you can make a lot of money if you are understanding of where, of, of where your role is. Think of it like this. If you connect with yourself with the visionary who's out there, maybe his or her strength is they cast, they know how to cast vision. They know how to get people excited. They know how to get everyone in the moment. They have a vision big enough to, fill, to fit everyone else's vision in there, but they don't know how they're going to do it. And so now you have the number two or the number three guy who's just pure systems. And they understand systems. Well, guess what? They both need each other. Because without the vision, the systems really has no direction to go toward. And yeah. without the systems, yeah. the vision doesn't really move forward. And yeah. so that's why you have to understand your role. You know what? Maybe I'm, 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 a, I'm a third role. Maybe I'm second seat. Maybe I'm sixth seat. But when you, again, we're talking about organiz organizationally, you can still make a lot of money because you can still bring value to a marketplace because people will pay a lot of money for those skills. Yeah. Yeah. The... the the best example is Apple. Mm -hmm. You had Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Steve Jobs was the visionary. He would see the future, what people would have phones in their hands, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But he, in terms of engineering, technicality, building stuff, he had no idea. He had. <clears throat> but the other Steve was the opposite. He can build you a computer in 10 minutes. But he, in mm -hmm. terms of design, none of that stuff. So they were a perfect team because... This guy knew his his spot, and this guy knew his spot, and they 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 work together to build. Mm -hmm. And and one of the greatest companies. I think it's one of those things where ego becomes a a, a hard part of that, like mm -hmm. willing yeah. to accept your role. And, and it, like you bring it back to sports analogy, like that's probably the hardest part is that ego part of things, of being willing to stay be second in command and things like that. Um, and also, like you said, the the money part. I think a good business owner understands the value of their employees, and if they do that mm -hmm. right the employees will feed the value through their the incentives that they get. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to understand a role. You've seen it in the book of Acts where it talks about, you know, the apostles were doing the, the providing the food, providing the money to the community. Like, Oh, we can't do this anymore. We got, we got a role to do. We need other people to play this role. Mm -hmm. And it was just as important. It, it wasn't saying this is a lesser role. It was just saying this role isn't mine. I need to step into a, to a, a, a different role. Um, and talking about delegating, obviously you you see that in Moses when his father-in-law talks to him mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in coaching your, your clients, obviously you, you really focus on the credit side of things, mm -hmm. but when it comes to the value of building a team, one, do you see what's the challenge of people saying no to that? Or if you even had the challenges of trusting, get, delegating and what's the value of actually doing that? Yeah, you know it's interesting. I was actually talking to my uh, to my wife about this the the other day, and she um she she asked me because we've been, you, we've been growing, and so we've been bringing on some people. I actually brought on um, client success manager, which is kind of like a coach, so yeah. coach slash consultant inside inside of the role. 
Um, and so that's kind of, that would be kind of like my right hand person, like the biggest extension of me, if you must, like if I had to put it into context. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I bring that up is because I, um, I see a lot of times where entrepreneurs have a hard time delegating and I don't, maybe for me it was just a little bit different cause I've never been a control freak. If anything, I've been called a little bit too laid back sometimes. And mm-hmm. so with the delegation part, that was just never an issue for me. I think that a lot of times people don't want to delegate because they think they can do a job better than anyone else. And so something that I'm really learning, something that I'm really leaning into, especially now as, you know, as, as we're scaling is when we're looking for talent, I like to find people who know more than me. Like if I can, if I can talk to them during the interview and I can learn a thing or two from them, then I, I think to myself, I have a winner in my hands because now they're not just using my brain, they're using their brain. So the yeah. other, like the inverse of that is if I have someone that they rely heavily on me and the only way that they can learn this job is if I pour everything that I have out into them, then they're capped out at my knowledge. And so the best, like the best example that I can give is if you have someone and you're going to, let's say, delegate or hire, try, and we're going from a scale of one to 10, most people hire at a one, they pour out and they take them to a two. When I'm looking for someone, I try to find someone that's at a five. I can give them a little bit. Now they're at a nine. It's way easier to go from a five to a nine or a six to a 10 than it is to go from a one to a three. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then what do you, what, how do you view that, that idea of delegation? I mean, you, you've already given the two best examples. I mean, the only other one would be, you know, go back to the 12 disciples. Mm-hmm. Was Jesus out here? Was Jesus out here setting up these events where he would go and, and preach? Was he taking care of the money? And all? No, that's, that's why he had the 12. Because mm-hmm. they had job. Everybody had a job mm-hmm. to do. There was, there was two or three guys that were in charge of security, making sure nobody tries to run at him. Mm-hmm. There was a couple in charge of, he would send them ahead. Like if they were walking towards to a town, he would send them ahead. Okay, go spread the word, go prepare an area where I can pray or, or preach or teach or stuff like that. So everybody had a job to do. Just like you said with Moses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there, was a, there, was, there, were, there was a point where he was doing everything. Yeah. He was taking people's prayers. He was going up to the mountain to, to pray to God. He was, giving out teaching the law to everybody and they got too much so yeah i think i think it's important one uh to not it's again i think when it comes to business owners one of the one of the ways you could be successful i was listening to a sports podcast about the about this idea the way you're the reason why you are successful is because you're egotistic you're hungry you're like you're able to to drive sales because you're so confident you know you're going to do that but at the same time, that's like a double-edged sword because that drive and you, you're you like, I could do this. I could do this myself. I don't need no one with me. I can make my calls. I'm mm-hmm. a grind. That same egotistic drive that drives you to be successful in a certain area many times hinders you because you don't want to let go or you don't, you don't think this person could do as good as you could do because of that. That drive that makes you successful at the same time could hinder you and your, your growth. And I, I always tell business owners that I work with, having a team doesn't make you weaker but makes you stronger. And mm-hmm. I think many times business owners don't see that. Like I work in, in a, in a really tacky gospel way. My job is to make you successful. Like I have the financial gospel. I always like, I, I joke around with, like, mm-hmm. I know what the bank is looking for. Just let me tell you what the bank is looking for. And then you'll be able to get what you really want. But it just, many times they just are, especially when it comes to culture. And I work with a lot of Spanish clients since I speak Spanish and many mm-hmm. times 
not only it's just they're just stuck in their ways because they grew up especially when it comes to banking and credit yeah. they grew up credit is the, the, the devil like it's like cash only <laughs> yeah. we're not doing anything but cash and because Cre- credit the devil until, until we need a store card for the holidays is <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I think it's one of those things where it just it makes it it makes you stronger not weaker when you have a team and it makes your it, it makes your life so much it's let it's let the guard down and i think it's it's a challenge due, due to culture and that's the the biggest thing um, I want I wanted to add something else to that because um, I think it kind of ties in, and that's in Christian entrepreneurship, a lot of us, I include myself in there, right? A lot of us, and again, don't misinterpret this if you're listening to this like the audience. It's, it's, it's gonna it's gonna be a strong belief, but hear me out on this. A lot of us have miracles written down on our, on our business plans. We shouldn't have miracles written down on our, on our business plans. <laughs> I'll prove a point here. When God put Adam in the garden, first thing that he gave him was work and management. Like, I gave you the resources. I gave you the skill sets. I gave you the abilities. Now go out and put it to work. Adam did not have a right, nor do we see it in the Bible, where he goes back to him and he asks him for a miracle. And a lot of us are asking God for a miracle. What we should be asking God for, again, in my opinion, is for the ability to properly manage and steward what he's already given us. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a matter of fact, he had so much work and management to do that he saw that he was alone and provided him somebody to help him. There you go. To keep working on that. Yeah. To, what do you say to people that, okay, because obviously, you know, we have, a, a, I think I agree with you, a strong belief that if you manage correctly, 99% of the times you you'll gain the success. But what do you say to the people either not by victimization or anything versus saying they're behind the eight ball, you know, they grew up not knowing about credit. They grew up not knowing about this. And due to that, they don't have the funds. Like their parents didn't pass mm-hmm. them any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you say to those people are saying like my business isn't successful, not because I don't know or don't want to try, but it's because mm-hmm. growing up, I have all these obstacles I had to overcome mm-hmm. just to get to where I'm at. What do you say to those people? The longer you hold on to those beliefs, the longer you're going to stay where you're at. And the interesting thing about limiting beliefs is the more we fight for them, the longer we get to keep them. And a lot of us tend to tend to think, and again, I, I always include myself in this because I've been there before. Like, don't think that I'm, I'm above it, right? There's always limiting beliefs at every level that our situation is different or our situation is unique. Uh, when there's someone out there right now that would possibly kill Trade everything. Like you are a prayer, like like your life right now, what you think is difficult. And again, I'm not taking anything away from it. You know, everyone has has their hardships, but there's someone else right now that's praying for the hand that you've been dealt. But yet you're complaining about how difficult it is. Guess what? If you have nothing, then that means you have more to throw out there because you have nothing to lose. So if you lose, like I came into this game with nothing. And so if I leave with nothing, like I didn't lose anything. And so I think that they actually have the strongest position versus someone who's maybe at the top that has maybe an organization of 40, 50, 60 people. They now have 40 families that are depending on their marketing, their services, their reputation. That, that pressure is no joke. Because I, I, I talk to these entrepreneurs all the time, right? From, yeah. from, mentor, from, from like a mentor level, like people that I look up to, to even people that I coach of 10, 15 employees are looking to get funding. And they tell me, dude, it's, a, it's crazy pressure. 
And so sometimes they tell me, dude, sometimes I wish I, I can just go back to the simple days. And so that that's yeah. the other side of yeah. it is, is sometimes we're looking at it like, oh, my God, life is so hard. But yet we're walking in the easiest moments and we don't even realize it yet. And so that's why whenever we think of the good old days, we never say that when we're going through it. It's always when we look back, we're like, man, those are the good old days. Yeah. 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 It- that's, that's, what's so, that's what's so amazing to get the opportunity to travel to other countries. Mm-hmm. Because then that'll help you put yourself in, in a different mindset where it's like, bro, these people got less than me. Yeah. And they're doing what they got to do, whether it's opening a little ice cream shop in front of their house or uh, doing mechanic work in their backyard. It's like they figure out a way to, to make the best of their situation. <laughs> then when you can see that, then you can come back and be like, dude, I may have started in the bottom compared to people I'm around, but mm-hmm. these people have less than me. So that'll mm-hmm. help you strive to be a to be a more of a visionary. Yeah, it's, it's one of it's one of those things where I think it's people draw business success as either you're a millionaire or you you failed. And I think if we widen that spectrum, that not every business is going to be a multi million dollar business. Your business might be just you bringing you bringing a salary to your family, which is a you should be applauding yourself just for that, anyways. And I think. Many of my business owners, they just think, oh, I got I to gotta keep striving, keep striving to get to this, this mystical, like, American dream mm-hmm. business, which is, I'm not not discouraging that, but I think if we understand that, like, you did so much with the hand that you were dealt, like, mm-hmm. you did, you just realize where you were and where you're at, and I think if you look at it like that, instead of saying where I am and where this other person's at. And if you measure it against other people, you're always going to fall short. There's always someone that's going to do better than you. There's always someone that's going to have a, a bigger, a bigger business. But if you look at it in anecdotally to your own life, I think that's always going to bring show God's grace one, but also show your success and how far you really, you really got. You, you also become desensitized where, you know, back when, back when I was living with, with my wife, when she was pregnant at the time, our first kid, and we were crashing in her parents' house. That was like my little cubicle on the side, like where we where we where we slept, where we ate, where I did my office work. The minute that I got my little one one studio with her, it felt like a mansion. And then the two yeah. two felt like a mansion. And then the three two felt like a mansion. And then we ended up buying a house. And then what ends up happening at every level though, it's it's almost like it readjusts. And so you become desensitized. So now the two two isn't as nice as it used to be because now you're yeah. always thinking, well, what's now next? you have a different what's baseline. Next? Yeah. Next? You have a different bank line. So that happiness barometer always like resets, right? Which is why mm-hmm. you also want to be careful of tying happiness to materials because then it, mm-hmm. it always just, re- yeah. it always just resets. Yeah. There's always something bigger you could buy or always something bigger you could get. And you know, you know, what's interesting is half the times the things that we're looking at that, that are bigger or better, we don't even want it. We just saw somebody else that has it. We saw the yeah. applause that they got. And we're like, I want that. You don't even you don't even want the car, yeah. dude. You don't even want you don't even want the watch. You just want what they heard. Man, that, exactly. that's a beautiful watch. Man, you're wow, you're amazing. Your you just want the attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, talk, talking about taking on things. Obviously, the biggest thing about your business is about establishing and understanding business credit. Mm-hmm. How do you, you know, the Bible talks a lot when it comes to actually that. You know, going back to mm-hmm. Anthony's point, how do you correlate? using i always when i talk to business owners you want to play the tax game and you want to play the credit game yeah. to your advantage but when it comes to the christian point of view how do you kind of speak about taking on that managing debt 
in a biblical sense of things? Like, how do you how do you view 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 that part of things? Good question. Um, it's 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 interesting because I talk a lot about credit, and I talk a lot about you know business structuring and business credit and funding. And one of the things, like one of the common threads, if you ever jump on some of my coaching calls, is whenever I'm talking to clients, is I don't carry any debt, right? So anything that I'm using for like marketing, so if we spend you know five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars in a marketing campaign, that thing is getting paid off next month. And so one of the one of the things that I usually say about credit is use it responsibly because it is a debt, like it, it is a weapon. So I, I see it like a loaded gun that you can either use it to defend yourself or you can kind of like blow your brains out, not to get too graphic, right? Yeah. The other side of it though is like when we get gluttonous, same a lot of people tie gl- uh, gluttony with, with with food, but really what it is is just an overindulgence. And so yeah. mm-hmm. same thing with credit. I don't view it as either good nor bad. It's neutral. Just like food, it's neither good nor bad. It is neutral, right? Um, you know, and, and, and the other side that I can tie into this, and I'll loop this thought back around, is there was, there, were time in the, there was times in the Bible where there were foods that no one can touch during a specific time. That God yeah. said, hey, you can't touch this food, even though any other time during the year, and it was because he wanted separation. He wanted them to have self-control, right? To remove themselves from indulgence. So the way that that ties back into this right here with, with credit is, and I had this conversation quite a bit with clients, is what exactly are you using it for? Because that, that's that's another thing that a lot of people can get kind of into showing off. It's, I have $250,000 in credit. I have half a million dollars in credit. But what are we using it for? And so one of the things I always say mm-hmm. is have your game plan set up. And I'm sure you know you're, you're a banker, so, so you, would, you would know this, right? Have your game plan set up from your business plan to how you're going to allocate those funds so that you can keep that, you know, that, that gluttony in check yeah. at baseline. Bingo. I, 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 yeah, the, go ahead, Anthony. The best example, like you were saying, with food in the Bible is mm-hmm. when the when they were in the desert and the manna was coming down. Mm-hmm. He said, take enough for you guys to eat today. Do not store anything for tomorrow because mm-hmm. it's going to he was going to make a spoil whether it. It had a long shelf life or not. He would force it to spoil just so to teach them not to be storing and hoarding and saving up. And it's like, I'm going to provide for you daily. Mm-hmm. Get what you're going to eat today. Tomorrow, a new blessing. And, and, and you can tie it with, with that. Like like you just said, okay, you got this credit line, but are you is just, just sitting there for you to show that you have yeah. this built up or are you using it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so... When it comes to that idea of, you know, of credit, obviously it's 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 a, a double-edged sword, of mm-hmm. like you said of how, of how you use it. So when you when we step in, let's be let's be frank. The the church doesn't speak about this enough about mm-hmm. managing business credit. Um, when it comes to a business owner stepping into that. You know, speak a little bit. I not to give give a free consulting session. But, you know, the stigma of, you know, using it right, I was, I was, again, talking about overcoming that stigma. What is like, what do you say to like get people to, you know, it's, it's a value. Like in terms of how they're using it? Yeah. I think that the people that I see use credit the best, at least from all the clients that I've worked with, are those that have had pain point. Those who understand how hard business is and what it actually takes to turn a profit because it's freaking hard, which is 
I don't want anyone to sugarcoat it. Like, I, I'm not going to come out here and tell you. No, business is hard. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people that come with unrealistic expectations of how they want to spend the money, what they think their returns are going to be, those are the people that I see end up getting hurt the most. Kind of like, you know, whenever you see a 22, 23-year-old get themselves in an auto loan debt that they shouldn't be getting into, 7 8% interest, and they're barely making minimum wage, they, they, yeah. they yet don't have a grasp of what it is to make money and actually stay above that profit line. And so, again, tying, tying it back in with this, it's if you've already kind of been through that pain point of you know what it takes to, let's say, turn a marketing campaign on, you know what it takes to, again, like we were talking about earlier, you know your margins, you know your numbers, you know your payroll, then you know, okay, I don't need a million dollars. Usually whenever I hear someone that's, well, let me just get half a million dollars, they don't even have a business. It's interesting how <laughs> the people that haven't ran a business want the most amount of money and you're laughing because you, cause you've had that conversation. And then yeah. the people that, like you you know run a legit business, you've seen their books, you, like you've seen their operations, the way they carry themselves, the business acumen is there. Honestly, bro, if I can just get about 80K, I know exactly what to do with it. Bro, if I can just get 45K, I know exactly what to do with it. And they usually do know what to do with it. Yeah. You know, one of the things I do see though, you know, when it comes to making money versus doing your purpose, where do you, you know, I I do business banking, so I would know, I mean, how to take advantage of credit and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, not to boast, but when it comes to are you in business through a purpose or are you in business to make money, where do you balance that line of like, okay, it's about doing your purpose, not about making a business. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you, do you, do you see that business ownership as part of your purpose or is it, is it, what do you, what do you view on that? Yeah, I would say for me, I got lucky. Um, because if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I, I, I always tell people I would like to have been a school teacher. Right. Um, and so I think that I got lucky that I happened to be, cause usually when people ask me like, Hey, so what do you do for a living? Right. I either say one or two things. I'm either a business consultant or I'm an online educator, D- depending on what day you catch me. Right. I, I don't like using the word influencer. Um, it drives me nuts sometimes, even though I have a decent audience, but I online educator, I just prefer. And so I got kind of lucky the fact that I get paid to educate, which I enjoy. I kind of get my, like my fulfillment through that, but to kind of offset that, I don't think that, especially if somebody's maybe going into business and again, you know, you guys may, may view it differently. I'm, I'm open to, to, to the discussion on this is if your goal is to go into business and make money, then go into business to make money. Because you could end up finding your purpose outside of what you actually do to make the cash register ring. So I don't think, again, could be a limiting belief, but the way that I view at least now, this could change later, but the way that I view it now is you could have your purpose outside of, again, what you're doing right now for your line of work. Assuming it's legal, it's ethical, it's not something crazy, right? Um, And then you're just using this to maybe sustain and build out the vision because you need to put some dollars behind what you actually enjoy doing. Uh, you know, an example I have of this is I have a, I have a client. He's a construction a construction worker, runs a seven figure operation. Doesn't like he's not in love with it. He tells me, "Dude, I don't wake up thinking about cement." He goes, "If I can be on the beach, I love surfing. So any chance I get, I go surfing. That's my passion." But I I know that surfing isn't going to. I'm not going to give lessons. I'm not that good, and I don't live in L.A., so I can't open up a surf shop. So I need to fund what I enjoy doing, which is surfing, teaching my kids how to surf, going out to to the best beaches in the world by building out a profitable business and again that's just my, my belief i could be wrong but that's just you know how, how i view it, at least right now 
And then what do you think about the idea of uh, business and purpose being aligned or the need of that being aligned? The interesting thing is that we we kind of dove into this in the last episode. Yeah. Um, I agree. Because, like, like you said, it depends. It can, your job can be your work. Because that's, that's, that's the the verbiage that we have to understand Mm -hmm. a job is what we do the nine to five that we get a paycheck and that's what feeds our family but our work is what god has given us the abilities the character Mm -hmm. the these things that we want that we have a passion for now is does that mean they're always separate or they're always together no i my job could be could be uh let's use the example you were giving if i love surfing and that's my passion and God gave me the, the the ability and the privilege to open a surf shop, I would say, of course, that's my that's my work, that's mm-hmm. what I live, and it's an actual job as well, then yeah, it's together. But like you were saying, he works construction, that's his job, but his passion, his work is through surfing, teaching others. So it just depends on on what on what your passion and your 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 work what god has put into you and if you're able to manifest that and make that your job as well so irv i have a different view of of it i'm a big proponent of like it correlates all together and so let's give the example of your of your yeah we we said it does we said it does but not always not always let's just give an example of a guy i don't think that's i mean obviously in reality that's that's what needs to happen but i don't think that's how it was designed what i mean by that is if we all would play our part in sowing back into the church and letting and all these things, uh, I always go back to Acts where it talks about they sold everything to be able everyone be fulfilled with their needs. If we sow back properly, he would be able to financially be able to do these things because now he has the support and backing of a body of Christ, a community saying, "Hey, don't worry about you. We got you. If you if you if you can't afford a year, we're going to be able to support you to be able to mm-hmm. be able to do this." So, in my view. In reality, yes, that needs to happen many times because in, we had to pay bills. We had to do these things to, to be able to live. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a fault of the church not properly creating an economic system for people to do certain things. Uh, people leave leave work because, I mean, leave schooling or leave training or don't do certain trainings because they can't afford the time away from their job to be able to go to school, be able to do all these things. People leave musician being musicians um or being certain uh, uh certain things that are a little more volatile when it comes to your income and to get something more steady because there's no dependability to be able to survive in, in what they're looking to do but i think that's a fault and quote unquote i would say a consequence of sin not a design of the lord and i think that's where i i, I would say the difference is is that yes it's true we got to do these things but i don't think it's how we were designed to do those things i think our lives were meant to to flow and for us to be able to seed and play our part and when, when it comes to the body of Christ. And I think the best way to do that is if we're 100% playing our role, not 95 or 50-50 or 60-40. If we, if we could play our role 100% and everyone plays their role 100%, mm-hmm. we will be more – but we can't do that because there's, it's such a broken world. And that, that's how I would say what, um, to that. Yeah, no, I, I see your point 100%. Yeah, it's it's and, and the the thing is that we're kind of agreeing is just you're thinking of it as like 
perfect scenario. Which yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. If we were if we were in a perfect world where capitalism didn't exist, money didn't exist, we're just doing something. This guy's doing electric electrician work. The king, and that's that's what we need to understand. The Bible is about a kingdom. Yeah. And a kingdom, you have your farmers, you have your your blacksmith. Everybody has a job. Mm-hmm. Now the blacksmith, his job, he creates weapons, he creates nails for for construction. So, yeah, in a perfect world, of course, everybody would be doing what they're passionate about, what they, but obviously we live in a capitalist society where money controls everything. So we need to do something to get the money to do something else. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 one of the things that all these scenarios are very nuanced because it's not a again mm-hmm. we don't live in a perfect world so all these scenarios are going to be different um now when it comes one of the the biggest things and challenges uh i know you said you you put your your values up front i want to kind of dive into that a little bit more mm-hmm. because though you know you've you've through that you've gained success and things like that <clears throat> but in many spaces, they're not even allowed to bring those values up front. Yeah. You know, it's, if that's the case, or in certain businesses, you had to be a little bit more favoring in how the industry itself is ran Mm -hmm. in a non very Christian way. Mm -hmm. Do you think we should either not be part of that industry at all? Because we can't be part of the industry with a hundred percent core values, like implement implementing them, should we buck the system and try to make our own whole industry and empire ourselves? Mm-hmm. How, or how do you view that idea of like, there's certain industries that it might cause us to either bend a little bit, or if, if we state, we can't even be part of the industry. How do you, how do you view that? Yeah. I think it all boils down to how you kind of play be- between the lines. Because I think that the dangerous part about just leaving when, when something isn't working out or panning out your way, let's be real, you're you know you're going to be jumping from industry to industry, place to place, unless you build your own thing. And then here's the catch-22. When you end up building your own thing, you realize that you have to put the same guardrails and guidelines around the infrastructure that you left. So then someone else is going to look at you the same way that you looked at maybe an organization and say, oh, they're so straight, or I can't believe they, they believe this, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't think that you've maybe been called to business and you just kind of have to play between the lines, two people that are jumping to me right now is Joseph and Daniel in the, in, in, in like in, in their kingdom roles, they didn't have to go out and say, I'm going to go look for a new kingdom. I'm gonna, they just, okay. I, I had to play within these means right here. Cause obviously God has me here for a reason. Right? Sometimes we, we leave mm-hmm. a place without knowing maybe I'm here to actually be a change. Maybe I'm here to actually impact someone. Maybe I'm here to kind of, you know, exactly. twist things around a little bit, right? And so if that were the case, Joseph and Daniel both would have fled and they wouldn't have come back and helped those kings exactly. that we knew they were yeah. evil kings, right? Um, we knew that the uh, the queen, the, the, the wife of, of, of the king, took this man's clothes off. He had to freaking run before, yeah. you know, it looked bad. He still ended up in prison, right? And then he still ended up going back and serving and ended up being the second most powerful seat in the kingdom. Yeah, it's... Uh, Anthony, how do you feel about it? I would agree because if if you read the story, and it was funny, I was just reading it last night because uh, in our service the the preacher mentioned it. When he called, when he when Joseph calls for his brothers because they go to Egypt, yada yada, 
and they're all kneeling before him. Most people would have be like, oh, it's me, and killed them or something like that. But he said when he revealed himself to them, they were like, oh, my God, whatever. You know, they were they were uh, they were regretful for selling him and this and that. But he told them, no, it's fine because it's not it's not because you sold me. It's because God planned for this to happen. It's yeah. not like, oh, it was just accidental. They decided to. No, it's like God purposely made you guys sell me exactly. so that I can be in this position and save you guys from the famine that's coming. Mm-hmm. So if if he would have been a, a righteous, a self-righteous religious man, he would be like, oh, no, I can't be part of the Egyptian kingdom because they're they're anti anti god there are different religions so basically I be, I like we are in america right now. right now yeah exactly so if he would have taken that high road that religious high road like oh no i can't be here i can't be part of this then he wouldn't have been able to bless the 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 people of israel and get them through that famine and the same thing with daniel so what do you he was in there for a purpose what do you guys think of so obviously bringing the bible examples in the book of Judges, it talks about, you know, they they were told to basically take everyone out of the promised land that was currently there. Because if they didn't do that, they would be a spine. They'll be a thorn into their hearts. They didn't do that. They made treaties and they ended up working with those people, getting connected with those people. But at the same time, because they didn't do what God told them to do and completely get them out there and just be only the body of Christ, it ended up influencing them to be able to do the things that those people were doing. So how do you draw that balance then of like, okay, obviously I need to work with people that are non-Christian, especially if you're a business owner, like you're going to work with people that are not non-believers. Mm-hmm. How do you draw that balance of like, okay, I'm working with them, but they are also not going to be influenced with me. How do you, how do you deal with that? I try to just separate. Um, I think that that's where like me separating like my line of work from trying to impose my will or, or impose my beliefs on someone um, like I said, it, it creeps out a lot through the content and even even during the coaching calls. But I don't try to shove it down people's throats with like, you know, yeah. you have to accept Jesus right now on this call. If not, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to help you scale. <laughs> so, so yeah. that, you know, I, I, I think that there's a fine line. And I think that I've impacted more people just off of building with excellence and them seeing. And I know it's going to be a bit more vanity, but I'll say it the way that I'm thinking it is by them seeing, well, he's built that out. And he's a Christian guy. And so maybe all Christian people aren't poor or maybe all Christian mm-hmm. people aren't dumb or maybe all Christian people, mm-hmm. cause we get this conversation. Let's be real guys. Or maybe all Christian people yeah. don't view money as evil. Yeah. And so if he believes that I'm kind of curious to see what, what would happen if I maybe took that route. Mm. And I think that a lot of people yeah. end up taking the atheist route because there's so many smart people who happen to be atheists. And so mm-hmm. people associate, well, I guess he's an atheist because he obviously figured out something that I don't because he's smarter than I am. Yeah. Mm. So that's yeah. just the way that I view it. Yeah. It, kind of uh, touching on, obviously we've been talking about success and everything like that. One of the things that, you know, it's reality. Many business own, businesses fail more than succeed. Yeah. When it comes to that, you know, one of the things we talk about faith, God, you know, we're pushed through, pushed through. This is the storm. You know, there's a blessing on the other side. We always talk about that. At what point do you give up? At what point do you say this is not this is not it? This is either not my business or I did. Where do you draw that? Where would you say for business owners or for people in t- taking a step? Where do you draw that line of like, I I can't anymore. This is this is a failure. I failed in whatever way. 
it I think it's gonna it's gonna boil back down to that that person's threshold, and it's gonna boil down back down to if this is actually what they were called for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the way the way that I view business, it's it's I don't I don't think you ever win at business. I think the I think it's an infinite game. What I mean by that, it's the whole point of it is to keep the business going. It's like getting married, and we don't win when we got to the altar, right? We don't win when 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 we took our wife. Uh, on the honeymoon, right? We don't win when we had our first kid. Is like you continue to win, meaning you stay married. And so in business, that's how I view it. It's it's I am winning every day that my doors don't close. But let's say for the person who's maybe struggling with, I do not. I, I think I'm about to close my doors. Well, I think we have to then define one: Am I in the right vehicle? Because that that's another thing. Am I in the right vehicle? Let's say if you are selling, I don't know. Um, jelly or something i don't know in the, in the middle of winter in nebraska you could be the best entrepreneur in the world you're possibly in the wrong vehicle and so i think that the other side of it is two things number one is people aren't trying as hard as they say they are actually three people aren't trying as hard as they say they are number two they haven't learned the right skill sets and then number three they just haven't given it enough time and when it comes to risk reward you know mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to take the risk to be able to step in to certain things. Mm-hmm. How much risk should you put up, put open? Like for example, let's you know you have a family, have a family. Mm-hmm. How do we? How much risk should we put others, like possibly giving them for a better future? As in, like for example, you know HELOCs are a big a big statement point right now, or refinance mm-hmm. to take the equity to be able to fund either a new property, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a whole bunch of TikToks on that, but. It's a risk because if you use that equity to fund a business and that business fails, not only do you fail in the business, but now the fam- the, the house that your family's living in is taken away and it, it could, it's a risk if you fail. When it comes to taking the risk, because taking this risk to be able to gain more reward, how do you draw that line to when you tell people use this, but it, it, you know, it could end up being a detriment for them if, if it closes in a, in a much more negative way? How do you draw that fine line? For like the HELOC, like going back like for to example, credit? Like for example, like the HELOC. For example, someone wants to mm-hmm. take a HELOC. They have either, you know, a good amount of equity. Let's just say 200000 They want to take that 200000 to fund a business. But, no, obviously there's a risk to that because let's mm-hmm. say they had a family or even if they're by themselves, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're doing this to, to try to take a chance, but that chance could open a door to not only failure of the business, but failure. And there's going to be a bigger consequence just the business closing, but losing their yeah. home, losing all that they have, their personal savings, all the, their retirement fund, whatever it may be that they're risking. How do you balance that risk reward of maybe it's too much risk for the reward? Or do you think there's no there's n- there's not there's never too much risk for the reward that you're taking? Yeah, no, I mean, I think there there definitely is too much too much risk. It depends on the it depends on the situation, and, and it depends what you're putting your money into. The way that I view it is, poor people take a lot of risk, especially when starting out. So when I say poor, I mean you just you're just not making a lot of money. So poor people take a lot of risk for a little bit of returns, a little bit of upside. Rich people put a little bit of risk for a bigger upside. The reason for that is they understand leverage, and so they understand that. They're just playing a different game. And so if let's say you're at a bank and there's four different departments there, everyone there is there for the same eight hours. Everyone there is working the same amount of hours, putting the same amount of work, obviously different lines of work, right? But everyone, when they go home, they say, man, I worked a lot today. 
But guess what? The teller mm-hmm. is going to get paid different from the junior banker. The business banker is going to get paid differently from the VP, and the VP is going to get paid differently from the regional loan officer, even though they both work the same amount of eight hours. So it's all about the leverage that you have. So going back to maybe the HELOC or like the loan or like the business on the credit that you have, it all goes back to boiling it down to just first principles, which is having financial hygiene, right? Financial discipline, where you know exactly where the funds are going. You know, you, you have an expectancy of what you're going to get out from that. And then you're able to mitigate the downside if it doesn't go your way. Yeah, it's 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 what like you said, I think one of the biggest mishaps for business owners, they're good at what they do, but they're not good at running a business. And because of that, mm-hmm. that's where the failure comes out. The, the failure comes out and also having the patience. And we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, Anthony, about Jesus was 30 years in preparation and only three years of ministry. And many times we're we're so hungry to open up a business, for example, the business ownership example, we're so hungry to open up a business that we're we're too quick to the draw instead of getting a proper business plan, understanding what you need to do, pricing, all these things, and you step too quickly. And because you took the step forward too quickly, you ended up hurting yourself instead of just waiting that year of preparation, learning how to run a business, getting the right team, getting the right mentors. And I think that's that's super uh, super essential and many times because we're such in a microwave society we just want like i just need to take the step and do it right mm-hmm. now um so last last two points i want i want to talk to you uh Irv, is mentorship you know you mentioned that mm-hmm. even in your content talk about mentorship what it's where do you see the value or why why should people get a mentor if you want someone's lessons without their scars, you should 100% get a mentor. And the other the other way that I see that is, and I, I forget where I heard it, so I can't give credit for it, but I heard it from someone else. And they were at a sales presentation, and they were using it as, as their clothes. So I hope I can say it as good as they did. And they said, who here wants to make a million dollars a year? Everyone raises their hand. Okay, cool. Write on a piece of paper. How much you're making right now? Okay, cool. Let me let me pick a couple of people. Sir, how much are you making right now? Hundred grand. Okay, how much are you making? Two fifty. Okay, how much are you making? Five hundred grand. Okay, ma'am, how much are you making? Two fifty. He goes, okay, I'll use your example. She says, you want to make a million dollars a year. He writes on the board, boom, 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 million dollars. He subtracts two fifty from it. He says it's costing you seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year a year in ignorance by not knowing how to make a million dollars. So your life is taxing you. 750 mm. every year by you not knowing how to get to a million dollars through skill sets, connections, network, what have you, right? So that ties into us where sometimes we want to bend the corner. We're like, well, we can figure it out ourselves. 100%. Everyone here listening to this is smart. YouTube University you, is powerful. You, you yeah. can go to YouTube University. You can check out all the books. You can go ahead and you know buy, buy, buy the courses. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. But sometimes, especially as you start to, again, level up and you, and you really start looking for more like specific skills, you're going to want to find someone. And again, if they happen to bless you with their time, take it, run with it, right? But if, if, if it means even paying for them just to sit with them for an hour, take that all day. Because that, that little that skill set that you're missing could be the, the missing piece that maybe breaks you into the next income bracket that maybe helps you yeah. learn actually how to, how to hire someone. I mean, it's, you know, the, li- the list goes on not to get into the yeah, nuances and skill sets. Yeah, there's, I mean? there's so much there's so much to it. Um, last thing I wanted to talk to you about was obviously we're 
we're we're building success and many times when you have kids you're building success to pass on to your kids and one of the things um, this was something that i i was it was just on the, this morning i was just listening to a couple of stuff and someone mentioned the idea of what should we pass to our kids and how much should we pass to our kids um you know the bible talks about two ways it talks about we you know a good a good a, a good father passes to a passes land to the kids it's in proverbs and they're mentioning that mm-hmm. uh, that verse but it also talks about you know a uh, quick gain you you don't know to, you don't know value and you just give it away so when it comes to your kids how do you balance that idea of like obviously you're gaining success which means they're going to get a better life how do you balance mm-hmm. that of how much do i pass how much good life do i get them give them how do you how do you view that part of preparing them for their future strong thoughts um so probably get canceled after this one but um <laughs> i i have strong thoughts on on how much i actually want to pass on to my kids in terms of monetary okay. i'm going to butcher this quote i'm going to put i'm going to butcher the same but it says if a man passes down his fortunes to a reckless child he's going to lose it all and he's no longer going to have it but if that same man passes it down to a smart child who's actually built up his life properly, he wouldn't eat it because he's going to build up his own life anyways. Yeah. And so I think that the main thing that I want to pass on to my kids, which if I can take this, I believe if it was Solomon or David said it to you know their kid, was above all seek wisdom. Above all seek wisdom. And so if I were to pass on anything to my to my kids, it would be education. It would be lessons. Mm. It would be um, just the situational critical thinking. Like if you could think for yourself, you'll never go broke. If you could think for yourself, you'll never stay stuck in a situation longer than you should be. Yeah. I it's uh, Anthony. How do you, how do you feel about that the idea of passing? Yeah, I mean, that quote that he said is is really good because it all depends on. We think about the what am I gonna leave them, mm-hmm. but the most the more important question should be what did you what did you teach them what did you put on Mm -hmm. them before you get to that last point Mm -hmm. because what does the quote say that the Mm -hmm. smart one he can he's not going to need it because he build his own or he'll and even if he doesn't build his own he'll manage what was given to him well because of knowledge so i see it like let me use myself for an example my dad is from Dominican Republic, a poor little village. He grew up in a dirt floor house with holes in the roof, whatever. Moved over here, gave me a substantially better life than what he had. Now, I could have been raised in, like a lot of people, never experienced any any struggle, any problems, and I could have ended up that way. But what I what he taught me. And what I what I saw is because because a lot of people, especially, you know, Hispanics, they don't they don't take their kids back to where they came from. They just, Mm -hmm. you know, I I struggled to be here, so I'm never going to take my kid back. There is all up from here. Mm -hmm. But the 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 blessing that I had is that my parents took me back over there on vacation during summers to get to know the family. And then I. I experienced, not only did I see it, but I experienced because we would stay there for a week or two, whatever. And, you know, I, I would see how they lived. And although for a limited time, a week or two, I would live like them and, you know, have to use the 
the the latrine out in the back. So I had the blessing that my parents took me to that and I was able to see so that I can appreciate what I have and not waste it when they go on to this next life and leave me whatever they need. So, so it's all about knowledge and, and, and what your parents leave you, not at the end, but what they leave you throughout your life. Yeah, I think it's 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 hard because you're it's it's one of the things where you have to check yourself as a parent because obviously yeah. you know one of the biggest things you 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 the your struggles made you who you are but mm-hmm. at the same time you know the pain of your struggles and you don't want them to go through it so it's a hard i think it's really one of those hard balances of like yeah if i if i if i sheltered them from all the struggles that made me successful made me driven made me have grit made me dr- have drive if I shelter from, they'll never be able to experience that, which they will produce. I mean, I think the, the Bible gives it very clear. You know, trials make perseverance, perseverance makes character, and it, it speaks about these things. And I think it's one of those things where allowing that to happen builds bigger success than leaving them monetary things. And in in a more spiritual sense, leaving them the, the, the belief in God and having entrusting that into them brings more generational wealth than whatever you you could build but i think it's 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 scary be i feel you know especially working with business owners their whole idea is you know to build this wealth to pass to their kids mm-hmm. and it's and i feel like it's the wrong view to view it i think if you teach them those life like you said if you teach them those business life lessons they'll be <clears> much more much more successful so i think it's 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 tough it's especially especially when when you could give them all um and you could give them more but you're you're saying no to yourself i think that's the hardest part because you're you end up saying no to yourself right like you're you're saying i'm not gonna give them more than more than this yeah to be able to give them to give to be able to end up giving them actually more quote unquote in life so i think it's it's tough so last thing i I would i would say for you uh for your when it comes to a business owner wanted to take or someone saying hey i want to become a business owner i want to take that first step what would you say to that person be like to take that first step what what would be your encouraging words to just kind of wrap this up encouraging words um i'm like the debbie donner today i'm like the debbie donner today bro um get ready to get your butt kicked that's what i would say <laughs> you're, you're you're gonna be praying a lot more once you start the business, and you're gonna be questioning God, like, what well, did I really hear from you on this one? Uh, no, but in all, in all seriousness, I think that I think that having a business will bring you closer to God, like just flat out, because you are going to be questioning everything that you do, your decision making, from the product that you're making, the clients you're taking on, from clients that starting to charge, deciding to charge back, deciding to talk back, not about you. You hire people, they decide to take half your clientele. And so it's going to teach you so much. And so some people run, I, I always say this jokingly about me, like, you know, I ran for ministry, right? And I ended up landing back in ministry, what I what I call business, right? Pastoring yeah. people, pretty much. So just in a, in a business context, you know, I, I see that jokingly. But uh, going, going back to it, I'd say that, that the main thing is you want to learn the really the three core skills that I think would, will get you to a quarter million dollars, if that's the goal, right? If, if, if it's monetary, um, and that's going to be sales, that's going to be marketing, and that's going to be communication. Um, the reason why I have those three together is because if you can learn those three components, you'll never run out of clients. When you get a, when you get clients from your marketing, you'll know how to sell them 
And then when you sell them and you start making money to build a team, you know how to communicate. So you know how to communicate externally to social media, um, the newspaper, radio, like ads, podcasts, however you want to advertise. And then internally to your team so they can continue because it's a two-way street. You're always selling your clients on why they should continue doing business with you. And then you're always selling your team on why they should continue building the vision with you. And so yeah. those are the three core skills that I recommend anyone learn. Again, you know, first quarter million dollars, I think that that should be enough to get you there. That's powerful. Well, I do appreciate you coming on. Um, everyone check him out. I think it's in, like you said, uh, knowledge is definitely power. So if we continue to use our resources as the body of Christ and feed and be generous to each other, we'll be able to all be able to get So thanks for joining. Until next time, and thanks for joining us.